Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. Andrew brought good news to me. I could understand the Bible more the way he taught it. Jesus forgave you one time, and that's for everything. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm teaching verse by verse through the book of Proverbs, and we are now in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 13. There's a total of 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and so we are nearing the end. This is actually my 13th week of teaching on this. We've broken the teaching up into two-week segments, but we are nearing an end on this, and I would like to encourage you to please get these products. I, this is a unique product. We've never done anything like this before because it is really exhaustive. Uh, this little USB right here has over 900 footnotes that I've written on the book of Proverbs. And then we also have CDs and DVDs, and uh, we are drawing to a close maybe one or two more weeks maximum on this, and we're going to be through with the book of Proverbs. So I encourage you to please get those materials. We're now in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 13, which says, The poor and the deceitful man meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. All this is saying is that opposites, all of us, are the same before the Lord. I've heard people say it this way, that all the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That means that nobody is closer to God than another person. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the answer for every one of us is that Jesus became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God. There's just one way to God. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're a hypocrite, a liar, a deceiver, or if you've lived a relatively good life. All of us have sinned. All of us have to come to faith in the Lord. This is a proverb right here that we should remember this. You know, I've, brought, I've been brought before some really important people, people that in the world's system are these movers and shakers. And there is a tendency to be intimidated, to feel inferior or whatever. And, you know, scriptures just like this uh, help me to put everything into perspective, that everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time the same as I do. It doesn't matter. You know, I've met with presidents of nations before, and it doesn't matter who they are. They, need, they have the same needs that I have. The answer is the same for them as it is for anybody else. Man, this is great that you understand these things. If we understood this, we would not have respect of persons the way so many people do. We wouldn't be manipulated by a person's uh, status in somebody else's eyes. In verse 14, it says, The king that faithfully judgeth the poor, his throne shall be established forever. And again, this is exalting righteousness. You know, people in government positions today, it's become nearly normal to just expect corruption out of politicians, expect them to cut deals behind the scenes. And, and people have nearly accepted it and embraced it and thought that's just the way that it is. But the scripture here is saying that if you do things faithfully and if you judge the poor faithfully, that God will establish your kingdom. Over in Ephesians chapter 6, it was talking about servants and masters, uh, masters and slaves. You could apply it to business owners, bosses, and employees today. But it says that we need to do what's right. 
and not be man pleasers, not just do it when people are looking, but just do the right thing. And if you'll do it, whatsoever you do, you will receive directly from the Lord, whether you be bond or free, whether you're a slave or whether you're the slave owner. And this is showing that there's more than just the things that we see, more than just the dynamics that are going on between people. God evaluates how we deal with people. And when we deal with people properly, especially the poor right here, then God rewards you. He will establish you. He will keep you in that position of leadership if you will execute it faithfully. And I know that there's some people who think, well, if I did that, I'd probably lose my job. A person who's crooked and does other things would bypass me because they're lying and manipulating. You know, I wish they had time to give you the whole testimony, but it's, it's really not my testimony. But Paul Milligan, the man who is my CEO and runs this, uh, he was working for a large corporation. A new boss came in, not the, you know, the head boss, but the person who was manager over him. And this guy began to lie and steal Paul's ideas and do things. And Paul knew it was going on and he just kept doing what was right. And ultimately his boss that was misusing him and treating him poorly got fired. Paul took his position, a great raise, all kinds of things because he did what was right and God promoted him. I'm telling you, this, this will work. And I know many of you will be tempted today to compromise and to do something and not deal correctly. But if you would do what's right and execute that position of authority correctly, God will establish you forever. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Boy, this needs to be said today. There are so many people that will not correct their children. They somehow or another think you just need to give them freedom to go out and to do this. I guarantee you, if you don't sit there and train a child in the way that they should go and force, and I'm saying this in the right way, not in a wrong way, not in a religious, demonic way, but you need to force, you need to put the Word of God into these children. If you don't do it, I can guarantee you the world system is going to force their values on them. You know, I had a pastor friend that I spoke to in, uh, in San Francisco, and he pastored a fairly large church there, and I asked him about the homosexual issue and did he ever deal with that. And he said, oh, well, they sure have a lot of homosexuals coming to his church. And I said, do you ever preach what the Bible has to say about it? And he says, oh, no, I don't want to offend anybody. I just want them to feel welcome and love. And as we preach the Word, I'm believing they'll be changed. And I said, well, I can understand that to a degree, but what about the young people in your church? If you don't preach against homosexuality and show what the Word of God says and show what true marriage is, and if you aren't preaching this and promoting it, I can guarantee you, the kids in your church, when they go into the public school system, when they're out in the world, the world is cramming this down their throat. And in the absence of you not teaching the Word of God, what do they have left? What choices do they have? They have only heard one side of the issue. And that man said, well, I never thought of it that way. But see, we have to give a rod and reproof. Now, this is talking primarily about young people people, the older they get, the more responsibility, the more decision-making you put on their shoulders. But when they're young, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Notice it's not only the rod, it's not just correction, and it's not just reproof. It's the rod and reproof. 
you have to give consequences. You have to give correction and at the same time, give an explanation and uh, tell them why this kind of lifestyle is not beneficial. You have to explain things to them. If you just leave a child to himself, he's going to bring his mother to shame. And I guarantee you this is happening by the millions because people did not correct their children the proper way. In verse 16, when the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. And you know, this is the same, this has been said many times in the book of Proverbs, but wicked people being put in positions of, of authority and things like this, I mean, when it just fosters other ungodliness. This is the reason that when you start legalizing immoral acts and doing things like this, it just... It's like taking the reins off of a horse. You know, I had a horse that if you didn't hold those reins tight, if you ever let those reins dip and just relax, boom, that horse was gone. And that's the way that ungodliness in a person is. If you begin to take off all restraint and you let uh, the wicked begin to start ruling and doing their thing, transgression just increases. It's just natural. There needs to be restraint and government, and specifically the church preaching morality, is meant to be a restraint on ungodliness. And sad to, day, sad to say today, it's not that way. In verse 17, it says, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Again, this is the same thing as just a couple of verses before, that there needs to be correction for a child. If you do not correct a child when they're young, that's the reason they call it the terrible twos is because you've let that child go. And by the age of two, I guarantee you, that selfishness, that self-centeredness, this carnal nature that every one of us are born with has already been established and, and you are going to have a fight on your hand. You need to start young. The Scripture says, another one of these Proverbs says, chasing your son betimes. And the word betimes means early while there is still hope. Man, we need to correct our children. And this is not popular today. There's even people, there's some places like in the UK, I was teaching one time and I forgot what it was that I was saying, but I said something about spanking your children. And when I said that, did you know that they actually had to bleep out that word? They considered that profanity. In the UK, this is the reason that um, the God TV had to move out of England and start broadcasting from another place because of the censorship in England, it was considered profanity to even mention correcting a child. Well, that's terrible. And this is the reason that we have so many problems today is because we're leaving a child to himself and it brings a mother to shame. In verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You know, there's a number of ways that you could take this, but one thing, you have to have a personal vision for your life. You have to have a goal, something you're headed towards. If you wanted to go from New York to Los Angeles, you can't just start driving in any direction and follow any old road and get there. You could wind up in Mexico. You could wind up in, in Canada. You could wind up in Florida. You know what? You have to have a goal. You have to have something in mind and you have to have benchmarks along the way to recognize where you are and how far you've been, how far you've got to go. Likewise, in your own personal life, you have to have a purpose, a direction for your life to go. You are not going to accidentally fulfill God's will for your life. It doesn't happen that way. 
It has to be done on purpose. You need a vision. And if you don't have a vision, you're going to perish. Another way, some of the translations of this, like for instance, the Living Bible says, where there is ignorance of God, crime runs wild. But what a wonderful thing it is for a nation to know and keep its laws. And this is another way of looking at this, that you can talk about where there is no vision. Some of the translations say that the people cast off restraint. In other words, where there is no standard of right and wrong and everybody's just doing whatever they want to, um, man, it's going to be pandemonium. But when you keep the law, when you have goals, when you have parameters, things that you live by, that causes happiness in a person. And, you know, I've seen this in children sometimes, that when you let people, children run wild, they're always miserable. They can't be satisfied. I dealt with this earlier in one of the other Proverbs that, you know, the eye of man can never be satisfied. You can't just allow a child to do whatever because they'll never be satisfied. This sinful nature that we were born with, if left on its own, it just causes all kinds of grief and sorrow. But when you put structure down and you say, here's the way you're going to live. This is the way our household runs. You do this. Or if it's in a nation, in society, when you say, these are the laws, we are going to live by these laws, it actually is a blessing. It causes people to feel safe when they know that there's laws and that there's right and wrong, good versus evil. And yet you hear some people coming against all of that and saying everybody just needs to be free to do their own thing. No, if you're free to do your own thing, it's going to cause anarchy every single time. Laws, systems, government is a good thing for moral people. In verse 19, it says, A servant will not be corrected by words, for though he understand, he will not answer. And the Message Bible renders it this way. It takes more than talk to keep workers in line. Mere words go in one ear and out the other. And I think that that's the point that he's talking about. A servant here is talking about either a slave or an employee. And you can't just correct them by words. There has to be actions dealt with and there has to be consequences. You know, we have 500 employees here, and I'm a pretty nice guy, and I'm easy to get along with, but then again, I'm not the one that actually runs the ministry and all of these employees answer to. And I've seen over the years that, you know, there's some people that they just, for whatever reason, they will not follow the regulations. They're going to do things their own way. And if it was just up to me, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. But I've learned that if you allow that to happen, it's going to cause problems. You have to have consequences. You have to say, here's what I want you to do. And if you don't do it, here are the consequences. And people, when they understand this and have a clear understanding of what's expected of them and what's going to happen if they don't fulfill it, actually they work better. And this is what this proverb is talking about. In verse 20, it says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Boy, this is a proverb that I wish people would learn and live by, myself included. I don't think any of us do this as well as we should. But man, there's a lot of people that are just quick to talk. And again, I use James chapter 1, verse 19, that says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. The Scripture specifically says, and that's what this verse is saying, that we should be slow to speak. We shouldn't be hasty in our words. 
that if we just say whatever comes to us, there is more hope of a fool surviving than of that man. Oh, that's awesome. Some of you need to take this verse and write it down someplace and carry this with you in your pocket and look at it a few times during the day. In verse 21, He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at length. You know, in the King James, it says, um, He that delicately bringeth up, this is a uh, word that means to deprive of strength or vitality, weaken. Therefore, this is not talking about treating a servant properly, but rather it's talking about a, <clears throat> excuse me, a slave owner that pampers or, uh, you know, just indulges his servant. In other words, if you treat people the wrong way, if you're too lenient upon them, then they'll become dependent upon you and that's not doing that person any good at all. And I believe that this is the point that's being made. Here are some of the other translations, the way that it's tra uh, translated. In Amplified, it says, He who pampers his servant from childhood will have him expecting the rights of a son afterwards. The Living Bible says, Pamper a servant from childhood, and he will expect you to treat him as a son. And so you have to kind of think about this and maybe even look at it in some other translations to get the real point. But it's just basically saying that, you know what, you don't need to just give things to people on a platter. You need to teach people personal responsibility and how to work for things. And I believe that this has a direct application to like our welfare system today. We are just throwing money at people. I don't know how many of you are aware, but in the 19... 60s, I think it was, Lyndon Johnson, President Lyndon Johnson declared war on poverty and declared the great society. And did you know statistically since they had been throwing all of this money and started giving people welfare with the assumption that people would just automatically take this money to better their lives and to get on their feet and to do things, the st statistics show that there is a higher rate of poverty in the United States today than there was back when the war on poverty was declared. And it's because the way they go about it is to pamper people and just give people things. That encourages laziness. That's not the way. The church should be administering welfare, and the Bible gives instructions that it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, that if any man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. If we tied all welfare and all help that we give people to them doing something for it, I guarantee you that would change a lot of people's lives. But we're just raising people who become dependent upon us, and it causes grief in the end. In verse 22, it says, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. In other words, anger is not a good thing. Again, the Scripture says over in James chapter 1 that the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. You put this together with Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, only by pride comes contention. And this pride, this self-centeredness, this anger that so many people have embraced and that they live an angry life, it's a transgression. It's wrong. And today, many people are just saying, well, this is my personality. Well, if it is, you can get delivered of it. God didn't make you that way. It's because you're a self-centered person and you're only thinking about yourself. You know what I'm saying here? I know greats on a lot of people. And you're thinking, well, I've never heard this before. You ought to get my teaching 
on self-centeredness, the root of all grief. It's a little booklet. It's an easy read, but it'll show you just like Proverbs 13, 10 says, only by pride comes contention. It's your pride, your self-centeredness that's causing you to be angry. In verse 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And so this goes along with that previous verse talking about anger, which is rooted in pride. And if you have pride, it's going to bring you low. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In James chapter uh, 4 and also 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace unto the humble. So if you're operating in pride, it is going to ultimately bring you down. But honor will uphold the humble in spirit. If you're humble, God will give grace to you. In verse 24, it says, Whosoever is partner with a thief hateth his own soul. He heareth cursing and bereath it not or exposes it not. And again, this is another verse. I already dealt with this last week. But this shows that you have guilt as an accomplice if you know that something is going on. If you hear cursing, and this isn't just talking about using profanity, but if you hear somebody plotting a robbery, plotting a murder, doing something that's wrong, and if you do not expose it, then you hate your own soul and you become an accomplice and you are guilty. In verse 25, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Boy, this is a tremendous truth. I have used this verse hundreds and thousands of times, and I just hadn't got much time to expound on it in very great detail today. But this is talking about that if you are afraid of people, it's a snare. A snare is a trap, something that you catch an animal in and kill it. You are headed for destruction if you are afraid of men. On the opposite side of this, Proverbs 28.1 says, The righteous are bold as a lion. You're fearless when you are seeking the honor that comes from God only. Jesus talked about this in uh, John chapter 5, I believe it is, and verse 44. It says, How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God alone? If you're a man pleaser, if you have to have people constantly validate you and confirm you, you will never be a strong man in the Word of God. The fear of man brings a snare. You need to put your trust in the Lord and God will protect you. Welcome to the AWM Minute, a small glimpse on how your partnership with Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College is raising disciples around the world. Disciples like Diane Peterson, whose husband was healed from a horrific car accident after she stood on the truth found in You've Already Got It. So I just opened up to Psalm 91 and I read it and then I read it out loud again. Each time that I spoke that and read that Psalm out loud, I gained some strength. After a long spiritual battle of resisting death and having an out-of-body experience, Scott pulled through, and today his story is a testament of God's healing power. As partners of Andrew Womack Ministries, you are helping transform the lives of people like the Petersons through the free teachings of God's love and grace. To see Scott's full healing journey, visit awmi.net today. We trust you're growing in wisdom as you study along with Andrew through the book of Proverbs. You can get the entire series that covers all 31 chapters of Proverbs in a CD or DVD album for a gift of any amount when you contact us. 
If you'd like to enhance your study, make sure to get a copy of Andrew's brand new hardcover book on Proverbs that includes all of his personal study notes and commentary on hundreds of verses. This book is available for a gift of any amount. Or if you prefer, you can get this book in the Proverbs gift set, which also includes a leather-bound journal as well as a pen so you can chronicle your journey as you study through Proverbs with Andrew. This Proverbs gift set is a limited time offer and is a great idea for friends or family. Order it today for only $65 while supplies last. If you'd like to receive all of Andrew's available resources on Proverbs, make sure to order the Proverbs package. This package has a catalog value of $235, but you can get it for just $199. Contact us to order the Proverbs package today. The 16th audio teaching in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide this 16th CD free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of March, Andrew will be at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park, Colorado for the annual Karis Bible College Men's Advance with special guest Tony Dungy, NFL Hall of Fame and Super Bowl winning coach, and James Brown, Emmy Award winning broadcaster on the CBS and NFL networks. Also at the Sanctuary in March, Andrew will be hosting the Army Conference for Ministers with special guest, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Representative Bob McEwen, Dr. Barry Burns, and Barry Bennett. In April, Andrew will be back at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park for the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days and also to host the new musical, David, the King of Jerusalem, a story of the faithfulness of God's grace in spite of struggle and tragedy. Also at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park, Andrew will be hosting a special concert with John Tesh. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. to encourage you to visit our website awmi.net for our inside story and coming up I have Nicole Marbach that I'm interviewing she was an alcoholic she was struggling with depression suicidal cutting 
I mean, it was six years of absolute bondage in and out of mental institutions, and Jesus set her free. Today she has the Hope Center, and she is seeing people's lives changed. It will be a blessing to you. So check it out, the inside story at awmi.net. Thanks to the support of our friends and partners, Karis Bible College is able to reach more people with the gospel than ever before through the continued expansion of our Phase Two building project. For the latest information on the Phase Two construction update, go to awmi.net.